0: Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Keto for Women show. Ooh, this one is a good one on so many levels. We'll get to what we're doing in today's episode in just a minute. But first, I just want to share with you a few things. First of all, it is the week after The first ever Fat-Burning Female retreat here in Boulder that I hosted this past weekend, 16 women from all over the world, essentially, came together in Boulder, Colorado, my home and my favorite place on earth, and we spent the weekend together. So it was women who had gone through my Fat-Burning Female project, some have been a fat burning female since the very beginning. They were in the very first class back in January 2017. Others are just now completing it uh, right now in September. So it was a huge range of just so many different personalities and people and stories and everything. And yet we all came together with one thing in common, which was that we are keto. We are women and we are looking to further and enhance our health and life and do so in this great community. So it was something that I was hesitant to do, to be totally honest. First of all, it's a lot of work. Second of all, I just don't even really know. I had no idea what would happen, basically. But I did it, and it far, far, far exceeded my expectations. It was honestly one of the best weekends of my life, getting to know these women and hearing their stories and just basically becoming friends with them but then also to see other friendships develop in this community that we're building and just going so much further than just beyond keto and beyond our health issues or what we're working on or anything like that. It's just really, truly making new friends. And that's what we all did over the course of just two short days is all it took to make these lasting friendships. And so, you know, I was, of course, hesitant to do it and did it anyway. And then I still wasn't sure if there would be a second because you just you just never know with these things. And I can safely say that it will happen again in 2019. There will be a fat burning female 2019 retreat. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that if you are a fat burning female already, Gosh, I just, you know, if you're really into getting to know more women and having a more supportive circle of friends that you can talk about this kind of stuff with, whether it's keto in general or something about your specific health or life issues or anything like that, if you just need a really great group of non-judgmental supportive friends, uh, that's kind of what we are doing here with these smaller gatherings within the fat-burning female community. So if you're already in the fat-burning female tribe, then be on the lookout for the next retreat. And if you're not and you want to be, uh, you just have to go through the class first just so you have that, you know, it's just kind of a different mindset that we kind of help develop within the fat-burning female horse. And so we have this kind of base knowledge and base understanding as a group, and then we can kind of further and enhance that with these, these gatherings. So be on the lookout for that. I don't know if it'll be – next fall, or maybe it'll be even sooner. We kind of have to take a few weeks to settle down from it because I will tell you, it it is more work than I was expecting. And then gather our thoughts and see when we want to do the next one. But be on the lookout because it was so, so fun. And just shout out to every lady that was here. You know who you are, obviously, and just completely enhancing my life on so many levels, not just with my business and with being someone who does teach women about the ketogenic diet and about their health, but just on a totally deep, new, great, amazing level. Thank you so, so much for being a huge part of my life now forever. And I really hope to meet as many of you listening today as I can In person, it just takes it to a whole new level and it revives. I don't know. I think that we can all understand what we are in as our career. You know, you can get a little bit just kind of complacent or just questioning if what you're doing is really impacting anybody and just kind of get into some ruts, I guess we could call it. And to have these one on one interactions with people who are having life changing experiences. Even if I have a 5% credibility around that and, and what they're doing, it makes just such a huge difference for me and totally revives me in every aspect. And I'm so happy to be having this podcast and having the Bernie Female Project and just doing what I can to help you guys. So hopefully I can meet you all in person. That was a really, really long-winded way to just say we had a great retreat, essentially, and I can't wait to do it again. And then just a few quick reminders. I wanted to, first of all, remind you about the new sausages that have come out from Tribali Foods. So I've talked about the burgers a lot here on the podcast. They're like one of my favorite staples to have in my kitchen for times when I don't feel like cooking or just got back from a vacation or just don't feel like going to the grocery store. I always have Tribali burgers in my freezer to cook up and make sure that I have a good High quality protein source when I need it most. Now they've started to include sausages. So they have two flavors. They have a pork and sage, and they have a chicken apple. And I can tell you, I just love these sausages. They are the best sausages I've ever had in my life. They taste homemade. If you've ever made your own sausage or had like you know a house made sausage from a really good high quality restaurant or something like that, that's what you're getting in this frozen sausage patty. They're actually kind of mini patties. They're slider size and they're absolutely perfect for breakfast or even just as like kind of a midday snack. I even had it, that chicken and apple one as a midday snack one day and it just was perfect. Really great flavor, all totally organic, wholesome, natural ingredients from the highest quality sources of animal protein and, you know, these really awesome spices and nothing else, no additives, no, nothing crazy, which is why I love Tribali food so much. I just wanted to remind you all, first of all, you got to try the sausages. And second of all, you can only, as of right now, get them online. So you have to go to tribalifoods.com, use your coupon code KETO, the number four women, and you get 15% off your order when you order online. But they are not yet in stores, these sausages. The burgers are, you can get them at natural grocers, Whole Foods, Target stores. But uh, right now, those sausages are online only. And trust me, you want to get your hands on them before they are out of stock. So again, go to turbalifoods.com. use that coupon code, KETO, the number four women, stock up on these sausages. You will not be disappointed. They are amazing and so, so convenient. And then just again, a quick reminder, last opportunity, essentially, if you're listening to this remotely close to when this show airs in September 2018, last chance to get your 10% off over at primelypure.com on some good all-natural skincare products, specifically the deodorant is by far the best I've ever tried in the natural care world. So you want to get your hands on that as quickly as possible because September 2018, we get 10% off over at PrimelyPure.com when you use the coupon code keto the number four women, and then it's gone. So get your 10% off now, stack up, get all those products you've been wanting to try. Now is the time. All right. Now we get into today's amazing episode. I've had Stephanie Dodier on the podcast before, episode number 19. We talked about food freedom, binge eating, all this stuff. She is just the most amazing. Essentially, she's kind of like a, like a health coach that talks about no diets, who <laughs> doesn't talk about the food, which I find fascinating and so, so necessary. She's a dear friend of mine. We've traveled all over the world now together. And her message is just something that we need to hear more of every single one of us as women who have potentially had some trouble with food in the past and the relationship with food, or maybe you don't, but you still need to hear this information. It's still very, very important. She has just recently kind of started talking about a a new trend that when she first posted about it on her Instagram which you can follow her at com, and I highly recommend it. She first started talking about this body neutrality topic and the second she posted about that, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this I need more women to hear this because it is very hard to go from like spending years and years and years hating your body Two, all of a sudden, now everyone's promoting body acceptance and body love and self-love and all this stuff. But what about the in-between when you can't just go from hating to loving, In the course of an hour. What do you do then? And so as soon as she started posting about this and that kind of being the space that she's in right now, I knew I needed to get her back on the Keto for Women show and talk to you all about this topic of body neutrality. So we're going to chat about that today. She has some steps that you can take. And then also just really diving into some other stuff because she... I don't know. I I really love all of her messages. She's been through it all herself. She is a clinical nutritionist. She has the Beyond the Food Academy. She has the Going Beyond the Food podcast. She's got a lot going on. And you guys, if you don't already know her, you're going to know her now and you're going to love her as much as I do. And I can't wait for you all to just get to know her and her message and really dive into what she is discussing and what she is passionate about. And right now she has a course that's kind of all about the food freedom that you need to kind of basically get back, get back to these basics of food freedom in order for your quote unquote diet or your keto lifestyle to actually sink in and work and make it work for you. So she has this class, it is such a great course. I'm so just, I just love it so much. And right now you can go in and get started on that course right away if you go to seanminor.com slash food freedom. So that's seanminor.com slash food freedom. That will get you enrolled in Steph's course so you can get started on your own food freedom. It's just the first part of this journey that honestly we all need if we're going to have keto keto actually work for us. It's much more than just upping your fat and lowering your carbs, as I think a lot of you are finding out. So you can head there, Seanminer.com slash food freedom. It will also be linked in the show notes and you can get started on getting Steph's help, which I think we all could really, really use. But let her tell you about that. Let's chat with Stephanie Dodier. Stephanie, so happy to have you back on Keto for Women, round two. Round two, and it's going to be even better than last time. How about that? It's going to be even better, although we should let everybody know because there's a lot of new listeners to Keto for Women since you were on, which was over a year ago. So everyone head back to episode 19 where we had Stephanie on the first time and listen to that. But you can listen to this one first because it's going to be totally different. No big deal. It's an upgraded version. And I want everyone to hear more about you from you, but I would first like to say that Stephanie and I have become really good friends. She's the most amazing human, and I can't wait for you all to hear more from her because what she has to say is extremely important for every single woman to hear, and there's not enough of us hearing it, but then also putting it into action. So that's what we're gonna do today. But I've known Stephanie for, gosh, like three years now, maybe, I'd say. And we've done what? Like two low-carb cruises together, two low-carb universes (laughs) together, a trip to Portugal together. (laughs) Let's see, a business conference in San Diego together. We've been like around the world together, basically.
1: You're the best travel
0: buddy. (laughs) Yay. Thank you so much. Okay. So we did do an introduction in episode 19, but just in case, let's give everyone a little bit of background about you because it's a good story.
1: Absolutely. So I am a clinical nutritionist, operated a clinic in Toronto for three years. I have my own story with health. Like I collapsed on stage at 36 after 15 years in the corporate world, found out that I had all kinds of chronic condition, overweight, obesity, and adrenal fatigue, and all the messed up hormones. So I went on a journey to heal myself. I discovered natural health, quit my job, went back to the school became a nutritionist, opened my clinic. And this is where it gets very interesting is I was doing what I was supposed to do, which is to give women, mainly women that I was attracting as clients, meal plans and changing their diet and sleeping and all of this. And then after six months of practicing, I started to see the same pattern. People would disappear, Mm -hmm. never come back, or they would struggle to stay on the wagon, And while this was all happening, and I couldn't understand why, because it was easy what I was giving them from my perspective, right? I was struggling too, because I was on enough the whole wagon, but not going to like shitty sugary food, but more overeating. And overeating back in the days was paleo, right? Mm -hmm. Paleo bread, paleo treats, and I couldn't understand why I couldn't stick with it myself. So what was happening with my clients was happening with me. So I went on the journey to understand me. And I realized that it was for a great majority of women that it's more than just food. Like the solution is not just food or sleep or hormones. A great part of our health and our success is in our head, in our mind. So that became going beyond the food. And that's what I do now. So I'm still a nutritionist, but I work in the food behavior realm. So I help women change their eating habits by not talking about food. How weird is that?
0: I know, but it's so, it's like the most necessary thing that we're not talking about. Nobody's talking about this. No one's even thinking about this. We're just hopping from diet to diet Uh and not getting anywhere. And like you said, the on the wagon, off the wagon thing, it's like this constant struggle for most
1: women. Well, yeah. And then as I discovered what builds our food behavior, because there is like the food behavior, think of it as the top of the funnel. And below that, there's things that fuels the food behavior. Yes. The actual food, quality of food, intake of sugar, all of that is a contributor to the food behavior But there's also like your thoughts, your mindset, your perspective, the relationship with your body, how you value your body, your body image, your story, your trauma. Like there's a whole world that nobody talks about. Oh
0: my gosh. So true. And today we're going to pick apart one of those you just mentioned. Well, really like three of those you just mentioned, which is all about our actual body, our physical appearance, how we view our body, how we feel in our body and what stories we're telling ourselves about our bodies. Because that I think is just, I mean, at least in the keto world, that is like the driver that gets people into the keto space is because they want to change their body. And then perhaps it doesn't happen or it doesn't go as they planned or how their friends went or something like that. And we spiral. Like We start getting into this Mm. negative headspace, which we already kind of were in to start, (laughs) to be honest. But it gets a little deeper. So that's why I wanted to have you on today because you have just started this really huge shift in perspective, I think, about... Self acceptance and body acceptance. And there is such a big push now. I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but I have. And the people that I follow on social media with like self love and body love. And all of a sudden you just have to be like super comfortable in your bikini no matter what you look like. And you have to go from like hating yourself to loving every inch of yourself and not wanting anything to change. And yeah, that's great, but that's not realistic. It is super hard to make that jump from having years of talking negatively and thinking negatively about how you look to all of a sudden loving every aspect.
1: Yes, sister. So everything you're saying, I'm shaking my head because that is my reality. And so everything that I create, the research, the program that I create is because of me. So what the listener, if you don't know my story, a little glimpse of it, my first diet was at nine years old. Like I was overweight at nine, not because coming from an environment that was, my family was overweight, simply because I started to use food to numb myself. And then I gained weight and I started the bandwagon of dieting at that age, up to the age of 36, 25 years of on and off the diet. And through all of this, the purpose of it was to change my body because I thought that on the other side of thinness was happiness which is not, it's not. That's why you keep going in and out of it, right? So what you talk about the concept that I now am happy in my body within that I teach is called body neutrality. So think of body neutrality as the safe bridge between body shaming and body positivity. Because when you shamed your body your whole life, like I did, you cannot put on the switch, like people are telling you on social media, and all of a sudden, be proud of your body. Because you have in your subconscious mind, deep rooted connection in your neural net, we can go in in neuroscience, but it's deeply rooted in you that you don't like your body. So this is years of deprogramming that needs to happen for you to get to the place where you love your body. But in between that, you can be content with what you have. And that's what we call body neutrality. It's about accepting what is the current state of your body without judgment and using compassion for you to engage with your body. And the main element, and we'll go into the details of that, is gratefulness.
0: Mm. So
1: being grateful for your body is an act of compassion. Totally. The problem is body positivity right now. If you're an Instagram person and you're watching this happening, it's about putting on a bikini and taking a selfie and showing to the world your body. Even to me now, of practicing body neutrality for three years, that's scary. Right. Because I've spent 25 years not liking my body. So that like scary. I'm getting better at it. So if you go through my Instagram feed, there's more and more pictures of me, but that's done from a place of self-compassion, not the need for me to show to others. So does that help understand what body neutrality is?
0: Yes. And it is just totally that in-between point where I think a lot of us could get Mm -hmm. to a lot easier. So there actually is this space where, like you said, you're kind of de- in the process perhaps of deprogramming all these years of negativity. Yes. And so while you're there, you're kind of in this place of just acceptance, I guess is what you would call it. Mm-hmm. And so how do we get to that place? Because I know a lot of people want that. And that sounds really doable mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Whereas body positivity is like, well, that's never going to happen <laughs> at this point. So how do we kind of make our way out of that? So I'd like to step
1: a couple step back. If we yeah, can, let's do it. So, let's talk about what is body image. Because for many people, we don't have the right conception. So, body image is how you see yourself in the mirror, but it's also how you feel about your body without seeing yourself. Like, how do you feel about your body when you're walking to the store or you're driving your car? How do you think and speak about your body? Like, pay attention for the next day when you engage with your girlfriend or your husband, how many times do you put down your own body? Mm -hmm. Like many, many times for most of us. But it's also, here's a big piece for everyone to take. Body image and relationship to our body is also how we behave in life in result to how we see and perceive our body. So I'll give you an example of that. What do you forbid yourself from doing because of your relationship with your body? <clears throat> I can tell you from my student in my world, because people in my world are at that space where they're ready to make the switch. I don't know how many women have gone through my program and didn't post a picture of them in a bathing suit on social media. Simply sent me a message that this is the first time in 20 years that I put a bathing suit in public. That's a big one. That's crazy. Think about this. Yeah. Or a woman that lives in Texas, it's 104 degrees in the summer, and she's never allowed herself to wear a short sleeve shirt to go to work. So even at 104, she wears a cardigan.
0: That sounds miserable.
1: (laughs) How do you behave as a result of how you think of your body? So body image is this whole pile of stuff. So it's deep in which the reach that it has in your life. Mm-hmm. It's way more than just how you look in the mirror
0: well it's deciding how you act too
1: it's how you behave as yeah. a result of what you think so let's expand that to the dieting world and let's be honest with each other let's imagine you're someone who shamed her body for five then i don't know how long, a number of years you didn't like your body so you go on a diet, on the food philosophy, whatever, the thing you do, keto, for example, and then you go about it with the intention of changing your body. So you're engaging to keto from a place of fear. And that place of fear is very stressful because if you're not getting the result that you want, which is for most of us very quickly, we live in this society that's going to have things very quickly then you become very resentful. You become even more shameful. You become angry. You become all those negative emotions because your goal to do keto was to change your body because you don't like your body and because you want to live your life because the body you have, you can't live your life. So you got to do keto. You got to have the result. They don't happen. And then you start to engage into emotional eating and bingeing. And sugar spiral down, whatever Mm -hmm. thing you do, you did that and you got to that place of off the wagon on your keto journey because of your body and your body image.
0: And also, don't you think that just as often as, well, at least in the keto community, this is what I see instead of going off the wagon, you just wagon even harder. Like you
1: just keto harder. Well, yeah, you deprive Mm -hmm. yourself even harder, right? Right, right. Because there's a whole other component like of this that's called perfectionism, right? So when you look at what makes a person, a woman, there's little research. So there is research on the impact of body image that some of psychiatrists have done, but they're very limited. But here's what I know clinically from working with people is that women that struggle with body image also have this belief that they need to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfectionism. When you need to be perfect, it's not just in one part of your life. You apply that to everything, including your diet, and then you become obsessive compulsive. And that's what you end up seeing in your group of people that keto even harder is because they're saying, I'm not perfect. I'm not good enough. I'm broken. I don't look good, blah, 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 whatever the story they say. And they say, if I try harder, I'll be perfect. It's got to work. Right. The same thing with our body, right? If my body looks perfect, I gotta be happy. Right. And I can give the perception that I'm perfect to the rest of the world. Absolutely. Because that's what these, even if I'm not, (laughs) which you're probably not, because none of us are. (laughs) Right. Because perfection doesn't exist. Right. So perfection is linked to low self-worth and low self-esteem.
0: I believe that. We
1: know that from a research perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Because so if you go into the world of eating disorder, there's a little bit more research there to help you understand what's behind eating disorder. And the common characteristic between people that have eating disorder, no matter what it is, is low self-worth, low self-esteem. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense right? Because you're trying to prove yourself, increase your self-worth by the way your body look and your diet and, or your exercise, depending the thing you compulsively obsess about. And then you you keep trying and it doesn't work because self-worth is never going to be in those things. If that makes sense. Totally. Self-worth is a, it's a within job, right? Something we got to do for ourselves that has nothing to do with how we look. Exactly. So I wanted to take that step back to understand all of this because for us to go and say, okay, so how do I become neutral with my body? One of the things that I firmly believe in is you have to understand what goes on in your head. And I know you teach the same thing when it comes to keto and health, right? You teach them Mm -hmm. how it happens in their body. Because without that knowing, you really don't have a grounded purpose of what you're trying to do, because you don't know why you're doing it, if that makes sense. Yep. So understanding that when we go and attempt the journey of reconciling with our body, my belief is that we need to move from shame to body neutrality. And maybe in the future, maybe, and I emphasize maybe, body positivity. But body neutrality is that place where it's the gray zone. It's the space between I hate my ties to I'm okay with my tie versus I'm in love with my ties. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great picture. I hate, I'm okay, huge, and I love them. And that can be for anything. Just like if you just
0: pick the thing that you don't like right now. If we all just do that and whether you believe it or not, but if you say those things, even just that middle spot where it's like, I'm okay with X, Y, Z, just that feels like kind of a relief, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't have to hate that. I can just be okay with it for now.
1: And I know for your crowd, there's a lot of very intelligent women that are familiar with the whole context of stress, hormones, cortisol, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to go there a little bit because that's your ladies. Yes, very educated in that field. So think about this. Let's say you are like a great majority of the listener. You something you don't like about your body. You shame yourself. You think you're ugly, too fat, whatever the situation may be, and you believe that it needs to be changed for you to achieve happiness and your goals. So you shame on yourself every time you pass in front of a mirror. Every time you're walking in the street, you see your reflection in the window. Every time you get in front of new people, you think they're going to judge you, so you judge yourself. So you spend your day beating yourself up in your head without a stick, just with your thoughts. Whether we notice it or not. Exactly. Well, you're right. They still do it, but they're not mindful enough to notice it, but they still do it.
0: And it's just something that we've done for 25 years, so it's very second nature at this point. It's normal. Yeah
1: right? Yep. We think that everybody's like that too, because that's how we live our life. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, you have 15, 20, 25, 30, some women will tell me up to hundred thoughts a day about how bad our body is. Do you think that's not stressful? So stressful. It's keeping yourself in this negative
0: space, 100% of your day. What does that do to your
1: hormones? Right. Right. So How many people you've done hormone tests with that have high cortisol and you look at their diet and it's it's okay and you can't figure out where it comes from?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the majority and that's why I really talk about this a lot, especially in the Fat-Burning Female Project because it's like, when I say stress, it does not necessarily mean like work stress or relationship stress or money stress or something like that. What we are saying to ourselves and the thoughts that go on in our head is most of our stress, I would guess, for many of the women listening.
1: So how much of your cortisol is impacted by your thoughts about your body and shaming yourself? And how much is that preventing you from achieving your goal? That's the question we need to ask ourselves, right? Right. If we want a motivator to reconcile ourselves with our body, maybe it is to look at it from an hormonal issue and the consequence of high cortisol on fat retention or inability to lose fat and blah, 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 urges, sugar craving, all of that. It could be in part due to the way you relate to your body and your constant eating of yourself. So you can keto hard and go in high level of ketosis or fasting or whatever. But if you're constantly shaming yourself, it's never going to work.
0: Never going to work, ladies. You hear from now two of us right here telling you that is not going to
1: work. And there's science behind that, like cortisol patterns. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yep. is keto hard the, the solution or the solution to say, well, I need to start learning on how to have a relationship with myself that is non judgmental? Can I put some effort into this and less keto hard, just keto normal, <laughs> <laughs> just like keto in, in a sustainable way while I park? This aside, I'm going to spend some time learning and re-engaging with my body. It's intuitive to me to say that's the right answer, but I want to put it out to the women who never thought about it this way. So if you've been ketoing hard and trying all those crazy techniques and it doesn't work, maybe it is time for you to go beyond the food. I can tell them that it is
0: 100% time. Exactly. Gotta do it. It's not that you have to give up keto or give up paleo or whatever you're doing. And we don't want that because we want you to be physically healthy, of course, but you can do both at the same time. And that is what will actually get you into a much better, I guess, healthier place physically, of course, but mentally too,
1: which is the important factor here. And here's the thing again, clinical observation, no science behind that. But when people start going beyond the food and looking at their thoughts and reconciling with their body, their whole life gets better, mm-hmm. way beyond just the food. Their weight—it's everything. They have better relationship with people because they don't engage in their human connection with other people from a place of lack and mm-hmm. a place of low self worth. They don't believe that at work, because again, it's never an isolation body image issue, right? It's a low self worth throughout life. So when you get to work, how hard are you working to trying to prove yourself? Because you're engaging in the relationship to work from a place of not enough or perfectionism. So when you start going to that place of body neutrality, you start practicing with body neutrality, you start learning new skills that can then spread across your whole life. And talk about stress reduction when you engage with other human being or work from a place of I am enough.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, we both have personal stories oh. of that, right? Like we can tell you this from our own personal experience that life gets immensely better when you do this work. Immensely better.
1: Absolutely. And for me, and the reason why I do the work that I do is because it's like, it's deeply rooted in me. Long story short, you can go to my podcast and listen to episode 100, where I talk about my whole life story. I did an interview with Sean Croxton, and he was like my psychiatrist. Mm. So my entire life story is there. I'm not going to repeat it here, but let it be that it's deeply rooted. So my journey with reconciling with my body is still happening today in the world of I'm a nutritionist and I'm not Tim. Right, So I've reconciled me towards my friends, my work, but now I'm in this this new world and I don't yet again fit the standards. It's like I've been born on this planet to not live the standard and make myself stronger through that. So it's a constant practice, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about body neutrality a little bit. Let's deep dive into what's behind this. One of the biggest elements behind body neutrality is no judgment. So this is where we trade judgment of our ties, example, to how can I be grateful for my ties or your belly, like your tummy. How many women wants to lose tummy fat or belly fat? Everyone. (laughs) Many of us. Here's a crazy thing. So- we hate our belly rolls. We put spanks on it, whatever we do, right? Mm-hmm. And so I say, let's move to a place of no judgment. So it's not about how the rolls are, the fats are, but what could you be grateful for your tummy? You know what a vast majority of women then realize? Their tummy and their tummy fat is what gave life to their children. Totally. That's a
0: really good thing to be grateful for. And the reason why it may not look the way it did prior.
1: And then they have the biggest haha moment. Mm-hmm. I have been shaming this part of myself that created life and created my children. So, in some way, I've been shaming me having kids. That is how you look at your whole body. So, what does your ties do for you? Do they allow you to work out, to run, to hike, to walk with your husband every night? Like, what does your tie do for you?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really big one because, you know, a lot of women who are not grateful for their bodies or trying to change their bodies, they're also working out pretty hard. Mm -hmm. But you're putting your body into that negative space of like, you know, it doesn't look like this. So I'm doing something wrong instead of being like, man, I just made it up that mountain pretty quick because my thighs carried me there and they're strong and powerful.
1: Exactly. So it's about removing the labeling. So it's not good, it's not bad, it's just what is. And how can I be grateful for what is? And I also like that when you become grateful for a specific part of your body,
0: it goes from how it looks to like what it can do for you or has done for you or something like that where it has nothing to do with the physical appearance of it.
1: Exactly. Huge. It takes the pressure of responding to society standards. So one of the things we all need to understand as a collective of women is that society standards have changed in the course of decades and hundreds of years and millenniums, and the way we evolve as a society, what a woman, a pretty woman look like differs all the time. Mm-hmm. We just happen to be in an era, all of us, until we die properly, that tennis is the model. But never forget that 100 years ago, that wasn't the case, right? Tinnest wasn't what we were striving as women. So it allows you to humanize. That's another component of body neutrality, humanization. Like you're not alone. Reality is the vast majority of women do not fit what the society standard are telling us we need to be. Think about that. Yeah. Right. They say that it's only two to 5% of the female population that fits the modeling frame of the year 2000.
0: And for some reason, we're still all thinking that's how we should look, which doesn't make any sense if you actually think about that.
1: But let me take some pressure off of that. The reason why we all think we need to respond to that is because that's our survival brain. That is a pattern that is innate in us as human. So we have part of our brain, that's called the brainstem. That is the survival mechanism of your body. It scans your environment all the time to understand if you're safe or if you're not. If you, basically we seek pleasure and we avoid pain. That's the whole like two ways that the human function and that allowed us to evolve as a species. So to that we want to have pleasure. We seek The number one mission for us is to seek pleasure, right? That's why we become addicted. That's why we love fun things. That's why we want to look attractive. Because in our primal brain, as women, what do you think our number one mission is? To look good. To please. <laughs> to get a mate. Right? Yes, right. To get a mate, to please, to attract, and ultimately, reproduction. Mm-hmm. That is the most primal goal of the human being species for millions of years. So we have that program in our head that we need to please so we can reproduce, so we can be safe, we can have a shelter. We, no longer the case in the year 2000, but that's how we're programmed. So we go out in society with this deep programming of wanting to please. So we look around, say, what does society want me to look like so I can be accepted by the tribe? And currently what society is telling you is that you need to look like 2 to 5% of the population to be accepted by the tribe. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're rejected. Otherwise, you potentially will not find a mate. You potentially will not reproduce because you don't look acceptable.
0: So fascinating.
1: Right? So it's not us trying to self-sabotage ourselves. It's not us being broken that we think like that. It's deeply inside of us. Mm -hmm. Now that you know that, can you then reframe your desire to look like the top two to 5% of the population? And I think that's where it becomes empowering.
0: Because you don't have to get there.
1: Don't have to respond anymore. Mm -hmm. How many of you out there listening are never questioned themselves as to why they wanted to lose weight? but just have been engaged in that behavior since their mother taught them that because their mother was part of that conundrum of need to look good, need to be accepted. And she taught you that.
0: A lot of women out there.
1: So I want you to really sit with that question, right? Replay, take notes, like this is how we're programmed. You don't have to respond. You have to be aware that your urges to look like the part comes from your primal brain and your brainstem. That's called humanization, realizing where this urge comes from and realizing that most women are like you. And that brings the whole component of compassion. That's what compassion is. Mm -hmm. is Kind, being acceptance, and humanizing the situation.
0: Yeah. And so you take that kind of need or what you thought was a need away to get into this space of of looking like something that is not really actual.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Again, just saying that and just knowing, like, oh, I, I don't have to get there. I don't have to do that. I don't have to listen. I don't have to respond. Just that, again, feels very freeing. Whew, right? Right? Like, what? A, yeah, like take a deep breath. Like, we don't have to get to that 2 to 5%. You don't have to respond to that, to what society's telling you.
1: And your urge to is actually just your primal brain. You can mm-hmm. decide to observe that urge and say, huh, I don't have to respond to that anymore.
0: Like that's that part of my brain talking, but I'm just not going to respond to it.
1: Exactly. You observe your thoughts. Love it. Now let's take another sideways and talk about health at every size. This is a controversial topic. (laughs) I love it though. I love it so much. So health at every, have you ever talked about that in your show? No, this is all you girl. Okay. So health at every size (laughs) is a movement that is supporting people adopting health habits for the sake of being healthy, not being thinner. So instead of engaging into keto for the sake of losing weight, we want to engage into keto for the sake of being healthy and releasing the expectation of losing weight, but instead striving for health. And
0: that is something that is a huge piece of the Keto for Women show and something that I talk about all the time, but I like the idea of
1: you can be healthy at every size. Exactly. So for all the people who are freaking out right now, because you have been just like me educated that obesity is the ultimate disease. Let's just take that apart for five minutes, right? Obesity is not a disease. Obesity is a symptom, a symptom that your body is gaining or keeping fat on for a reason, mm-hmm. right? You don't catch the virus of obesity or the bacteria of obesity, <laughs> right? You become obese because there's something underneath that drives the behavior of taking too much food. Or not being able to release fat, whatever the situation may be. So shifting from a disease to a symptom, then understanding what do I need to do to get myself healthy? Because when I'm healthy, my body will not keep the weight on or will release the weight that it believes it's safe to release. Right? So that's one of the fundamentals of health at every size. Mm-hmm. And then looking at science and saying, is it true that overweight people are more sick than others? Well, the reality is, when you look at the science from a non-biased perspective, meaning studies that are not funded by pharma or studies that are not funded by the diet or weight loss or fitness industry, guess what? There is not a higher mortality rate in overweight individual than underweight individual. So huge to just like
0: really let that sink in. Yes, take a deep breath. Yeah, that
1: what you have, again, programmed yourself to think isn't true. Absolutely. And never forget, I'm, I'm not gonna get into the political aspect of that because that's a whole other conversation, but never forget that the weight loss Dieting, fitness, and the food is an industry that's part of the corporation. And I've worked for a corporation for 15 years. The ultimate goal of any corporation is to return dividend and profit to the people that hold actions or share. Mm. So this desire to lose weight that's been programmed in our head since primary school is in part greatly, in my opinion, fueled by the corporation, the weight loss, the food, the dieting industry, so they can make money. Because if you find a solution to losing weight, you won't need their product anymore. Or if, and this is the big danger, if you don't desire to lose weight at all costs anymore, you won't buy their product neither. Right? So, I'm putting it out there. So there's a whole world. Go Google health at every size. It's supported by science. It's led by two PhD in nutrition that looked at the science from a different perspective. And I know for many of us, when we can detach our nutrition from weight to health, it relieves a whole bunch of pressure and a whole bunch of stress. It's
0: easier to get into that spot of neutrality as yes. well. Yes. So one more, one more way. Are those the main steps, or do you have more? Because
1: we have another topic to discuss. Exactly. So we're going to go into four steps. Okay. Developing a relationship to your body is primary, right? So, simple exercise get in front of a mirror and mm-hmm. start with, just with your face, right? Start engaging with your body. Observe your thoughts. Observe your thoughts and switch them from judgment to gratefulness. Be compassionate. Put in perspective the reason why you want to lose weight with everything I just taught you. Mm -hmm. And then as you reacquaint with your body, it's going to feel uncomfortable. Ride the wave of your emotion. Mm -hmm. Don't be the victim of anxiety and say, oh, that's too hard. I can't do this. No, it's supposed to be hard. Just ride the wave. And don't, you
0: know, beat yourself up if you're like, oh man, I'm still thinking negatively. Like it's going to be a process.
1: No, no, no. It's, it's a community, right? Hashtag body neutrality. And you'll see a whole bunch of us hanging out there that are all working towards being comfortable with our body. That's the difference between body positivity and neutrality. Mm-hmm. Does that help your people? Uh, I
0: love it so much. This is really great. Before we get going with today's episode, I just want to remind you all about Rasa Coffee. You guys all know how much I love Rasa Coffee by now, but I've just tried something and I have to share it with you all. If you've not tried the coffee alternative Rasa Coffee Iced, you absolutely have to. So you brew it. I brew it in the morning as normal. And then I put it in the refrigerator and wait until later in the day, like three o'clock, four o'clock-ish as my afternoon snack. It's become an iced rasa coffee with some full fat creamy coconut milk and a dash of cinnamon. It is so good. You all have to to try it. And the best part is, is that I feel really good drinking it because I know that it's doing great things for my adrenals, for my detoxification pathways, and for just having a little bit of a natural energy boost to get me through the rest of the day. There's no caffeine, there's no sugar, there's no gluten, there's no dairy, there's nothing else in it but these amazing adaptogenic herbs that are so great for our adrenals and the rest of our body. They've also created this perfect recipe of these herbs that makes it taste amazing. It's not really a flavor I can describe because it doesn't taste like coffee, but it really does make an amazing coffee alternative, so a really good substitute. So whether you're looking to break your caffeine habit, which I think you all know I highly recommend for a lot of women that they do, especially if they are having issues with their adrenal health. This is a really great option, even if you use it to start weaning yourself off caffeine or you mix it with some decaf. That's a really great option too. It's also really good in like a bulletproof style. So you can do that with your morning beverage. So no matter what, you have a purpose for Rasa coffee in your life and you are going to love it. And because they are sponsors of the Keto for Women show, you get 10% off your order plus free shipping when you use the coupon code KETOWOMEN10. So you will head to rasacoffeecom slash keto for women and use the coupon code KETOWOMEN10 to get 10% off your order. We will have all that information linked in the show notes so you can head there right now. Use that link to grab your 10% off and get yourself some amazing coffee alternative. You will love it. Okay. Can we switch topics? Yeah, go for it. Because I told everyone a few weeks ago, we had a Q&A episode and there was a question that I answered, but I said, I think that Stephanie is going to want to give her own answer to this too, because it's kind of up your alley a little bit, which is, I know everything about keto. I know how great it is for me and I know that my body will do really well and I really want to do it, but why can't I stick with it? That's an
1: awesome question. Mm -hmm. So, that's right down my alley. Mm -hmm. I knew it. Two things I (laughs) want to talk about. So, we have a concept in my world that's called the four bodies. So, physical body, right? The skin, the bone, the tissue. But you also have your emotional body, your mental body, and your spiritual body. Quote on the spiritual, I don't mean religious, I mean belief in a higher power of any kind. Mm -hmm. When you do keto, you're focusing on your physical body. Or when you exercise, you focus on addressing the physical body. The problem is that's only one part of the four part of yourself. So think of it as a chair with four legs. How long can you stand on a chair in only one leg? You're not going to stand for long. You're going to fall, right? So to that person that has that question and to all of you that says, why can't I stick with it? What is the health of your other three bodies? How much attention are you putting to your emotional well-being, your mental well-being, your spiritual well-being? How aligned are you within this three other part of yourself? Most women, it's, oh my God, never thought about it this way. I don't pay attention to any of this.
0: Yeah, like I have never even thought once about any of those three.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Because again, that's not what we're being taught in society. Right. Now, the other piece I want to talk about is why you can't stick with it. I would assume that it's because you have urges, craving, emotional eating, on and off the wagon, carbs, all that stuff. Ask yourself, what drives my food behavior beyond food? So here's three things to look at. Your thoughts. So your action of bringing food to your mouth is a result of your thoughts. So what is the quality of your thoughts? Is your thoughts negative? Are they stressful? And are they driving the behavior of stress eating? So you can put all the rules you want on top. We know for a fact that willpower is a limited resource as demonstrated by science. It's not going to last forever. So to that woman, you're likely relying on willpower. You haven't looked beyond, why do I bring food to my mouth? My thoughts is one. Second of all is your mindset. Do you come from a place of lack or a place of abundance? And that shifts as your world. The third place is, what is your story around food? Like, have you been brought up by a mom or someone in your life that drilled you very young that a woman has to suffer to be beautiful? You have to be on a diet, right? You can't eat too much in front of people, like whatever the story is. And how much are you reacting to that today?
0: And don't so many people still have the story that maybe even they created or society created of like, I can't eat too much. I can't eat too much fat. I Calories are going to make me fat. You know, like even those kinds of stories that we're trying to get rid of, but may not, you know, they're really ingrained
1: in there. Exactly. And then you have your constant battle in your head. Many women will say like, it's like a ward field in my head. Like there's a full-on battle. Of it. I know I shouldn't be thinking like that, but that's how I think. mm mm-hmm stress again, Mm -hmm. cortisol, eating, craving, sugar on and off the wagon. So to this woman, I would say, look at the other three part of yourself and then spend time less focus on keto and like the different things you can do to modify your keto. Just eat like the way Sean teaches you, like real food. And then open a book, come to my podcast, like do something to like broaden your vision as to what drives the behavior of eating in you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. More things that you do actually have control of and you can actually change and you can be doing while you're keto. You can
1: be doing this work too. And you should be. And it has nothing to do with the diet. Like yeah. I don't talk about diet in my programs because it has nothing to do with food. Right. Right. And funny enough, 95% of the women that work with me all are from a background of real food, paleo, and keto, they know more about nutrition than any regular human being should. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Doesn't surprise me. Right? Other than us as professional, right? We should know more. right? human, normal women who works in accounting should not know that much about nutrition. Mm -hmm. Right. But they think that's the solution, so they spend their time there. So broaden your vision and keep eating keto, but spend a portion of your time growing another sphere of yourself. And this is what you actually do. This is what you teach. Totally. So that's all we do. So I used to have a clinic shut down the door. So now we help women go beyond the food. So we have one of the things that I've shared with you is my audio training. So I do a podcast as well. So I'm really strong into audio training. So I have a one hour audio training on how to start applying some of those principles in your life, and then we have two main programs. One's called Claim Your Food Freedom, which is a 21-day journey to remove the emotional block that feeds the behavior of eating. So we talk about in there in the Claim Your Food Freedom of what drives the behavior, your mindset, your emotion. We talk about how to use your breath to work through your craving. We talk about binging and overeating and restriction and the whole brain stuff. And then we talk about body image and perfectionism. Sounds like every single female that I know needs that. It's a basic to me. It's like
0: building the foundation of what we need to be doing for our mindset in order to be healthy. It's building that foundation.
1: In order to engage with food normally, easily, and sustainably. Mm. So here's the tagline of my whole business is we're helping you reprogram why you eat retrain and relearn how to eat from a place of mindfulness. And then the, what you eat then becomes automatically easy, simple, and natural.
0: So easy. Cause you have this whole different approach to it. Like the normal eater oh, Ooh, man. people that just eat <laughs> that don't have to think. Right. And they're super healthy and they're just yes. enjoying life and living how they should be living right Not enough of us are doing that, especially in this keto community, I think.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that's Claim Your Food Freedom. It's a fairly it's a self-taught program. So it's videos and, and so forth. I got the podcast that's totally free. And then I've got the whole lifestyle program that's called Going Beyond the Food Academy, where it's a 12-week journey into subconscious mind patterns and stories and trauma, like the next level up, if you want. Mm, I
0: love it so much. And from what I know about you, just, I think the funny thing is that when we are hanging out, even just as friends, we still have these kinds of conversations and just mm-hmm. your knowledge and the information that you have, not only through you know working with other women and doing the research and finding the science and then teaching it, but also just through your own journey is something that I truly, truly think. And I hope that now the women listening just in this past hour to what you have to share, it's so obvious how many of us need the work that you are doing. Like you are just doing such amazing work. You have so much to share and people need to get started on this journey themselves. And it is the most life-changing, like we mentioned, mm-hmm. completely life-changing stuff that you don't have to do anything different except be open-minded to this new information that you'll be getting about yourself and utilize it. So it's not like you have to go on another diet or not go on a diet or do this weird like intuitive eating (laughs) thing where you eat every single thing under the sun. Like You don't have to do any of that. It's not about the food at all. You can keep doing what you're doing, but you're going to be learning so much more about why you're doing what you're doing and what your body's been telling you and maybe even reframing some of the stories that you've been thinking about yourself for so long. Thank you. Thank you for those nice words. Yeah. I mean, you're just doing just incredible work and you know, I love you and we have a great time together. And I really, really hope that the women listening, go to your podcast, going beyond the food, check out the programs that you offer and get started on this stuff because it really will change your life. I promise. So what else can I share? Anything else that you want to make sure these ladies know before we wrap up?
1: No, at the end of the day, no one thing, you will be successful when you come from a place of love, Mm. not from a place of hatred or fear. So no matter what choice you make, make a choice that's based from love towards yourself, not fear or hatred. Uh, So good. So,
0: so good. Thank you so much, Steph, for being on the show, sharing your knowledge. I mean, that was, of course, mind-blowing. Now everyone's going to be like, oh my God, what? I need to re-listen to that immediately. Why has <laughs> nobody told me that before? Yeah, exactly. Like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> and we'll make sure that they can get the link in the show notes to mm-hmm. your program, your podcast, everything you're doing over at your website and get started on their mindset journey with you. Thank you.